Hello, everyone. I am Naya Swami Maria, and this is Naya Swami Ananta. And with us today giving the inspirational talk is Jitendra, and he'll be up here in a few moments. Um, see many people we don't know and dear friends from uh, Palo Alto communities. So welcome everybody here and uh, welcome to all those viewing online as well. I'm going to read from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries from the Bible and Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. And this week's reading is from week 43, What is the Best Way to Pray? <clears throat> Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ and Sri Krishna both advised praying to God as personal. <clears throat> Yet both emphasized also that God is above form and that he must be sought ultimately in infinity. As Jesus put it, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yet he spoke of God constantly as our Heavenly Father. In what is known as the Lord's Prayer, he proposed a very human prayer to the Heavenly Father, asking fulfillment for all our spiritual needs. The Bhagavad Gita explains that man, living as he does in a human body, finds it difficult to worship infinity as though the ego and body didn't even exist. Far better for human beings, Krishna says, to work with reality as we know it than to affirm a reality of which the human mind is incapable of forming any clear notion. Encouraging the devotee in this direction, he says, O Arjuna, be thou a yogi, that is to say, be one who works with, not in rejection of, the energies of the body and the natural tendencies of the mind. In the 12th chapter of the Gita, Arjuna asks, those who, ever steadfast, worship thee as devotees, that is to say, in an I and thou relationship, and those who contemplate thee as the immortal, unmanifested spirit, which group is better versed in yoga? The blessed Lord replied, those who, fixing their minds on me, adore me, ever united to me through supreme devotion, are in my eyes the perfect knowers of yoga. Those whose strict aim is union with the unmanifested choose a more difficult way. Arduous for embodied beings 
is the path of dedication to the absolute, the followers, that is to say, of the path of jnana yoga. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. to see so many friends that have traveled from afar and blessings and welcome to those who this may be uh, your first time and welcome everyone online. I'd like to begin with reading from Whispers from Eternity. These are prayer poems, prayer demands by Paramahansa Yogananda. And this is entitled, Listen to My Soul Song. <clears throat> Come, listen to my soul song. The darkness burst, and thy descending shafts of light pierce the clouds of gloom to listen to my soul song. Behind the screen of my eyes, thou hidden thou art, thou dost linger unseen to listen to my soul song. Burst the veils, burst the blue, burst all lights, and come to me as thou art to listen to my soul song. Burst my senses and my mind. Burst my heart in feeling. Burst my silence in my soul to listen to my soul song. Burst the heart, burst the sky, burst the soul, and come listen to my soul song. Come listen to my soul song. In the breeze I feel thy touch, in the sun thy warm love. In colorful scenery, I see thy beauty face. In the waves, I see thee dancing, leaping ever lightly. Thou dost pirouette o'er my thoughts and listen ever to my soul song. Listen to my soul song. Break the heart, break the sky, break the soul. Come, listen to my soul song. Hovering o'er clouds, lingering o'er the lea, Thou hast come to hear my soul song. Beneath the dim gloom of my devotion, hidden thou dost remain to listen to my soul song. So this topic of what is the best way to pray, how to pray effectively, reminded me of a story of uh, Maharini in Bihar, India, and this Maharini asked the family priest, the Pujari, why is there always such a clamor of loud bells and conch shells and just just loud noises whenever there is worship in the in the temple? And the temple priest responded and said, uh, your, your Highness, you see, God is deaf. How are, we, how are we to attract his attention to our prayers if we're not loud? And the Maharini was uh, surely not convinced by <laughs> this response from the Pujari. But isn't it so how, how funny it would be if that was the only way to attract God through loud, 
loud shouting, loud noises, or even to the extent of those who may ex have exaggerated uh, gestures in their worship, or even to the extent perhaps of those who are the good children of God versus those who are on the naughty list. You see, God is not Santa Claus. There, there is no good and bad list. God loves us all equally the same. And there, there, it reminded me of the story of this gentleman, we'll call him Joe, who moved to a new town and he went to the, the new church where this reverend was preaching, especially offering uh, prayers for those who were in need. So the reverend asked everyone who wishes to receive a blessing to be prayed over, please come up to the altar. And so Joe, of course, was seeking uh, prayer, so he got in line, and when he got up to the reverend, the reverend asked Joe, Joe, what is your prayer? How do you want me to pray for you? And Joe's response was, well, reverend, I would love for you to pray for my hearing. So the reverend started, he stuck one finger in one of his ears and his other hand on his head, and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And after a short time, he released his hands down, and he said, Joe, how is your hearing? And Joe's response was, well, Reverend, my hearing is not until next Wednesday. <laughs> well, I think God can hear and understand our prayers a little bit more than that. <laughs> Well, it is true that God hears our prayers because he is always in our hearts. He hears us always because he is the words that which we are praying, those words that we seek to share with God. And to pray effectively, Master said, is to make God the nearest of the near, the dearest of the dear. And he would often remind the devotees of what Christ said, that God, the, the Father knows your needs before you are even ready to ask. And so we're so blessed to have many tools on this path. And one great blessing, which I urge everyone to consider getting a copy is Whispers from Eternity, these prayer demands in which Yogananda changed the, and, and shared with us that there's a better way than perhaps using the word prayer. Rather, he said, um, loving demand. And Whispers from Eternity is to show us how we can use the attitudes of the soul to pray, to invoke the response from God. And we, of course, there's many prayers that go up to God. There are many needs that we individually have. But so often isn't it so that God doesn't always respond to all of our prayers. Well, Master said that this is a good thing because we so often offer prayers or invite things in our life that are not there to bring us the everlasting happiness and joy that we're truly seeking, that freedom of the soul. 
And so God is working with us on this level, always. And whispers from eternity, there are many prayers in the book about material needs, but you will never find prayers in whispers from eternity such as, I need a new car, or how to pray for a new house, or the, a specific demand in that way. That so often, this is, you know, uh, the prayers that go up to God. But instead, Whispers from Eternity is there to show us at a higher level of how to transform our consciousness, to tune into, to shift our, uh, our heart's radio, our mind's radio to that station that's going to lift us up and transmute everything so that at that point we can attract to us that which we need. For example, a simple prayer in Whispers from Eternity about um, prosperity. There's no specific uh, you know, underlying request in that prayer rather than, Lord, transform my consciousness that I may behold that I am your son or daughter that that which you have, I rightfully also own. So Whispers from Eternity is a powerful tool to tune into a vibration that Yogananda brought us, which he himself invoked the response from God into these prayers. And in essence of today's topic, it the best way that we can pray to invoke the response from God is to make God our very own. Yogananda said that to pray effectively is to think of God as listening, loving, attentive, and all ever accepting. So we must, Yogananda said, have the confidence in Divine Mother, to have the confidence in the Heavenly Father, that if we approach God, if we approach Divine Mother with an open and loving heart, that we will be cared for, that our needs will be taken care of for us. And if you worship the God as the Father, um, he is already your father if that's what you choose to worship. He is already your mother if that's what you choose to worship. But whatever you choose to worship, Yogananda said to worship God as your very own. And from this place of praying and worshiping God as your very own, this is the source of, as Yogananda said, all miracles are born from this spirit. And of course, from this spirit, God's response is attracted and uh, responds to our prayers. And so beautifully demonstrated in this way of uh, approaching God, of having that confidence, and everything we do every day as disciples, as devotees, to align ourselves, to align our hearts with God, so that we never feel separate. And in that place, that depth of knowing, from that direct experience of feeling God's love, then our prayers, we feel, are answered. And Yogananda's one of the most epic uh, 
one of the many epic chapters in the autobiography of a yogi is the chapter where things shift that Yogananda uh, is given the green light and invited to come to America by God. And so many of us know the story where Yogananda heard the news that you must go to America. And his first response, he said he was in a whirlwind. And what was his first response? His first response was, I need to get the Shiyukteshwar. And what was the very first words? Once in the chapter where Yogananda meets his guru, Shiyukteshwar, for the first time, what are the very first words that Shiyukteshwar tells our guru? My own. You have come. And those are the two sweetest words in the autobiography of a yogi that I read often. My own, you have come. And we must also, every day, cultivate that same relationship in knowing, practice that knowing with your guru, with Divine Mother. My own, you have come. Every moment, every moment of every day to engage in this process. And so, Yogananda did just that. He gets this special dispensation. You have to go to America. So his first response, my own. I'm, I've, I'm going to Shiyukteshwar. And he goes to Shiyukteshwar and he says, Master, Guruji, is this true? Is, is it so that I must go? And Shiyukteshwar said, yes. All doors are open. It is now or never. And so with that, response from Shiyukteshwar, he's ready. And he gets invited to be a speaker at the Religious Con Congress in America. And he, right at the end of World War II, 1920, he loads on the ship of the city of Sparta on a two-month journey to America. And I had the blessing just a few weeks ago I, uh, with many friends here and uh, others, we went down to the dock where Master uh, landed in America. And it was very sweet to tune into the journey that our guru made to come to America, to come to the world in many ways. And so he, he tells Shiyukteshwar after he gives him the green light and he says, but master, what do I know about lecturing? Never mind the English language. I don't have any understanding of that. And Shiyukteshwar said, your words will be heard in the West. Go. So he's on the, the, city of Sparta, the city of Sparta, and people on the ship got word that he was um, coming to America and going to be addressing the religious congress. So they said, my friend, please give us a lecture. Uh, we would be delighted if you would be willing. And so Yogananda said, okay. But then he went and he started to pray deeply to, to God to prepare him for this. And I wanted to read Yogananda's words because nothing can replace them. So this was Yogananda's inner dialogue during that time. Alas, oh, so the other thing that I wanted to say is that they requested Yogananda give a lecture on uh, the battle of life and how to fight it. So Yogananda, his inner dialogue, alas, I had to fight the battle of my own life. <laughs> I discovered on Wednesday, 
Desperately trying to organize my ideas into a, the lecture in English, I finally abandon all preparations. My thoughts, like a wild colt eyeing a saddle, refused any cooperation with the laws of English grammar. Fully trusting in master's past assurances, however, I appeared before my Thursday audience in the saloon of the steamer. No eloquence rose to my lips. Speechlessly, I stood before the assemblage. After an endurance contest lasting 10 minutes, <laughs> the audience realized my predicament and began to laugh. The situation was not funny to me at the moment. Indignantly, I sent a silent prayer to Master. So there he was, 10 minutes, and then he hears, you can speak. And then Yogananda goes on to give a 45-minute lecture on this topic of how to win the battle of life. And everyone after was so deeply inspired and touched and said he spoke perfect English. And afterwards, the talk was so good that many invitations came for him to lecture around the United States from that, that talk. So, my friends, you can. Whatever God is asking you to do, whatever the guru has you doing right now, in order for you to grow, to transcend the little limitations of that sense of I, and yes, we all have our own individual struggle. And it perhaps sometimes is a struggle. Sometimes it does get hard because Master said, God, the Guru is trying to make you stronger. But pray, pray with the deepest conviction that the Guru is with you and that just the same of what Yogananda's prayer to his Guru listening to the response. Prepare your heart every morning and every evening so that you too will hear those whispering words of the Guru. Whenever you need him, he will be there. And time is just flying by, so I'm going to move forward to this last part that I wanted to share of the power of prayer. And I want to urge everyone to consider increasing the, your time in prayer. As we know that famous saying from Christ that two or more who are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. And so to come together in small groups here at the village, wherever you are watching from uh, home online, to get together with a small group of souls for a half hour or an hour and pray Pray deeply for those who are in need. Because isn't it so that that which we're seeking, anything that we seek, is bestowed upon us in response to our self-offering. And so there's a great need for prayer at this time. So do consider that. One of the most inspiring times of my life that has happened, I don't know, I'm six to ten years ago, uh, where Master uh, brought me and the rest of the monks to Lourdes in France um, and to visit uh, Lourdes, which is um, a sanctified holy place of 
in Massabir of uh, Saint Bernadette. And it was so beautiful there. Uh, one day that we just sat at the grotto where Divine Mother appeared to Saint Bernadette. And as a response to this, there's been many, many healings, miracles that have happened there. And sitting in the grotto, one day just uh, where there's a statue of Divine Mother so beautiful and people come to seek her blessing. And there were hundreds, thousands of people coming through the line seeking healing from Divine Mother. Some people on stretches, some people in wheelchairs, uh, but everyone who would come and they'd stop be below the statue of Mary and pray. And I was just weeping because for everyone, for all prayers that came before Divine Mother, I could feel that there was always just one response, which was her love. Because in that presence of Divine Mother's love, all healing is possible. All that we seek is possible. And I did more research about Lourdes, especially about all, a lot of the miracles that happened there. And it was very interesting to find that many of many people had been interviewed and they were asked the question, so what was your prayer to Divine Mother to receive such a dramatic healing? And you know what everyone's prayer was? It wasn't for themselves. It was for someone else. So remember this in your life to the more that we selflessly offer ourselves to Divine Mother's feet to pray for those who are in need, the channel is blessed by what flows through it. And all these things will be added onto you, all those things that you're seeking. So I wanted to close with this prayer by Yogananda. Because when we pray, when we work on this relationship of making God, making our Guru, making Divine Mother our very own, it truly takes patience. So listen to these words. I invite you to close your eyes and feel you're offering these words in your heart. This is entitled, I Will Wait For Thee. In the corner of my heart, I have a mystic throne for thee. The candles of my joys are dimly lighted in the hope of thy coming. They will burn brighter when thou appearest. Whether thou comest or not, I will wait for thee until my tears melt away all material grossness. To please thee, my love-perfumed tears will wash thy feet of silence. The altar of my soul will be kept empty until thou comest. I will talk not, I will ask not of thee. I will wait, realizing thou knowest the pangs of my heart, while I'll wait for thee. Will the day dawn for me, O Divine Mother, when the utterance of thy name will cause a flood of tears that will inundate the drought of my heart and burst open the dark gates of my ignorance. God bless you all.
have a love who's far away, far away, far away. I have a love who's far away, farther away than the stars, and yet she stole in my heart away, heart away, heart away, and yet she stole in my heart away. Keep me not bound, no, teach me to fly, far from earth's madness, free air I die. Keep me not bound here, teach me to fly, farther away. nothing here, nearly so dear, nearly so dear, nearly so dear. There's nothing here, nearly so dear, as her laughter, Oh, wait.